Welcome back to 143 Pixels. I'm Bill, and we're here to talk about games we love. Each episode, I bring a friend, and that friend brings a game. This week, my friend is James Jones, and the game that he brought is Tycho No Tatsujin, also known as Drum and Fun, on the Nintendo Switch. I've been listening to James Jones talk about video games for a very long time. He's the host of Radio Free Nintendo, a very long-running weekly Nintendo podcast. He's also an associate editor over at the Nintendo World Report, and he always seems to have an encyclopedic knowledge of the games that he talks about. So I absolutely had to ask him to be on 143. And of course, he didn't disappoint. And during the interview, you're going to understand exactly why he's the kind of person that I wanted to have on 143. He's incredibly passionate about video games, and he really understands video games as a whole. Uh, it was a very, very fun conversation, and uh, I recommend that you check out all of his stuff. You can follow him over on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at NWRJames, or you can go to NintendoWorldReport.com and check out uh, the, the website that he works at. Uh, he's a really, really nice guy, and I appreciate him taking the time out of his day to come on my show. Uh, just real quick, um, before we get started, uh, you know now about my guest. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on uh, Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun, but before I do, I'm going to have a sponsor tell you about their stuff. And uh, after the ad break, we'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more about Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun. And, um, you know, when you listen to the interview, listen to how James pronounces it because he probably is going to pronounce it better than me. Uh, all right. With that being said, here's a uh, message from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Playing the taiko drum is a really wonderful pastime, but at times it can be a bit uh, cumbersome. But not anymore. Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun is here. Who is better? Enjoy an exciting drum battle. With Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun, it's more songs, more fun. Enjoy over 70 songs featuring game, classical, and also popular songs from anime and movies. Play the Taiko drum set or use the Joy-Con motion controls. You can also use the touchscreen or standard button controls to play, whatever suits you best. Connect multiple controllers and up to four players can play all the way through 20 exciting party games. There's always something new to enjoy. Unlock new characters and new songs on your journey to become a legendary taiko drummer. Enjoy the new beat in your life. Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun. Available now. Hey everybody, Bill here. I want to take a minute and talk about my process for making 143 Pixels. It is a seasonal show, which means basically what I do is I, I do all of the interviews and then I do a bunch of research and then I do a bunch of uh, recording and then I do a bunch of editing. And this takes a whole bunch of time. So what usually happens is I will get 10 episodes completely finished and then I will start releasing them. Some people may not want to wait for me to finish a full season before I start releasing it. And I've got good news for you. I recently, and honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I recently 
made an early access tier on the Patreon, which you can find over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you join at the early access tier, then as soon as I finish an episode of 143 pixels, I post it and you get to listen to it like right away. You get your own RSS feed that is just for you. And I upload the podcasts as soon as I finish them rather than waiting until I get an entire season done. In addition, if you didn't know, uh, that also gets you access to all of my shows 100% ad free. So again, that URL is patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And without further ado, let's get to the next episode of 143 Pixels. Thanks for listening. Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun is a rhythm game featuring taiko drums, which are these very, very large drums that are, I, I don't know, like maybe half a meter across for the head of the drum. They're really, really big. And uh, you play these drums with two sticks. I guess the way that you play them is you either hit the middle of the drum head or you hit the edge and it makes different sounds. And that's how a taiko drum is played. And basically, that's how you play this game. Although you do not have to have the actual accessory in order to play the game. It was developed by Bandai Namco. It was also published by them. And the game was directed by Takaharu uh, Kijima and Hiroshi Okabe. The music in the game, it's a music game, so the music's pretty important. They have a lot of different composers. Uh, some of the composers are Toakai Usami, Yuji Masubichi, and uh, S. Katsasuru. Uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Katsasuru Tajima. Uh, I went on to the next line and I didn't notice that. It originally came out on November 2nd, 2018 for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it was re received pretty well. Um, way too many games as a website that reviews games. And they said Taiko no Tatsujin for the Nintendo Switch is a nice option if you're into music games and if you're into Japanese music in general. Even though the game will receive an English localization patch in a few weeks, and by the time you're listening to this, it obviously has already had the English localization patch, um... It is completely playable, even if you know nothing about the Japanese language. It is a bit short when it comes to the modes, and some of its songs are quite boring, but I won't lie, I had more fun being an air drummer than I would have ever expected. The game does feature motion controls, and James kind of talks about that a little bit in the, in the interview, but he doesn't recommend playing that way. It just doesn't feel right, he says, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear him talk about it in a little bit. Uh, as far as sales, uh, Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun sold 69,984 retail copies during its first week of release in Japan. This is according to the Media Create sales figures. I got this information from Wikipedia. Uh, this made it the best-selling game of the week. It's also its best debut in the series to date. And as of December 2018, the game has sold more than 260,000 retail copies in Japan. It's a very popular game in Japan, not nearly as popular here, which is why I was so surprised that it came here at all. Uh, James talked about that a little bit in the interview as well. Uh, so this is what they say about Taku no Tatsujin. 
Uh, enjoy the cult classic arcade rhythm game from Japan in the comfort of your own home. Use motion controls to enjoy drumming like never before. Uh, crossover characters and unique in-game skills. Play using Nintendo crossover characters such as Kirby and Splatoon 2's Squid and take advantage of the new character support skills to assist in play. You can play Taiko arcade style by using Joy-Con motion controls or use the touchscreen or standard button controls to play to your liking. You can connect multiple Switch consoles through local wireless session to play Taiko mode or multiple Joy-Cons to a single Nintendo Switch to play party mode with up to four players. There's over 70 songs featuring Dragon Ball Z, Super Mario Odyssey, and many more. Uh, The new party mode connects multiple controllers and up to four players can play through 20 rhythm-based challenges, plus it also has expert difficulty. This is not a game where you have to worry about spoilers at all, so there's really nothing for me to, to, to warn you about. Uh, but James is awesome, and uh, I want to thank him for coming on the show. And without any further ado, uh, here is a little bit more of an intro of the game. Uh, I think I grabbed the, if I remember correctly, I grabbed the um, an American commercial and a Japanese commercial. And I can't remember which order I put them in. But uh, here is another commercial for Taiko no Tatsujin, Drum and Fun. And then the interview is going to be quickly following that. So stick around. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. That's awful. I don't want to turn on the boiler, so it's like, oh, it's gonna be really expensive once I turn it on. Oh I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait like one more week. I do Uh, remember once when I was younger, my roommate and I had an upstairs apartment and we didn't turn our heat on for the entire winter because the (laughs) downstairs people had their heat high enough. And uh we just had a lot of blankets and uh, you know. But we were really, really, really poor at the time, so it made it made a lot of sense for us to try and save that money. <laughs> my first, my first apartment had no exterior walls at all, except for the ceiling. So I had no windows. Um, I had a skylight, and that was it. Um, but the ceiling was also like fifteen feet, so because it was like an old warehouse. Uh huh. Very and they expensive. Squeeze another floor in there. So the walls were. It's a. 140 year old warehouse so the walls are all like four bricks thick um so i don't think i think my power bill was routinely the bare minimum like they just charge you to keep your service connected (laughs) because like i never needed to do any climate control i was just stealing it from everyone around me it was like oh this is great it's so cheap that's awesome yeah it's it's nice when you got good insulation we just redid the siding on my house and uh we added uh about I don't know. We added foam on every every wall, and it really, really does help. But that's not what we're here. We're, what we're, here. we're not here to talk about home no. improvement, people. That's a different podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about, you're going to have to pronounce this for me, because this is a game I've not played, and I don't know how to say it. How do you say this? Sure. So, Taiko no Tatsujin, uh, specifically the drum and fun iteration of it, which is a hell of a name. It is a hell of a name. Taiko no Satsujin? Tatsujin. Tatsujin. All right. Well, that's probably the best that I'm going to do. 
I got to know, why did you pick that game? So I, I what's funny is when I got the, the message uh, when you asked me to be on, which, again, I greatly appreciate, um, I was actually out traveling. And so when I got home, um, I was thinking about what game I wanted to do. And like it was just, you know, I went through, I would guess, 100 plus games in my head. Like, oh, do I want to talk about? Um, at one point, it's like, do I want to talk about Leighton versus Wright? That's a really weird game that could be fun to talk about. Um, do I want to talk about? Uh, I was playing some incredibly bizarre stuff at that point. I was like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Um, but what I realized was I had been idly playing this game during that entire like two hour haranguing, <laughs> and just and I had I had dipped the switch battery to nothing, and I was like, wait. Why don't I just talk about this? I've got stories to tell here. This this could be this would be weird and different, and I'm all about that. I love it. I absolutely love it, especially that that last part that you just said. I've got stories to tell here. So usually I start asking a bunch of questions. We'll get to those questions later. Tell me a story about Taito no whatever drum and fun. I'm just going to call it. Taika- Taiko Master or Taiko Drum Master. That's Tyco, what they used to localize it as. Taiko Drum Master. That's what I'm going to tell me a story. Sure. So uh, back in 20, so I, I was aware of this series a while ago. They first brought it to the U.S. I think during the PS2 era. Um, and if you've not seen it before, which is totally understandable, uh, it's a rhythm game from. Um, oh, my, oh my goodness! It's it's uh, it's a rhythm game from Bandai. Oh, okay. Uh, Bandai Namco. And it's basically, um, if you've ever seen a taiko drum, which is these big wooden Japanese drums with leather faces, um, and they lay on their side, and you either bang the center of the drum or you clack it on the sides. Uh, it's a it's a heavy rhythmic drumming. Um, it's it's a, it's a kind of a performance art in and of itself. Okay. Um, and so in Japan, they'll have these big performances of it. They'll have huge drums that have multiple people drumming on them. Um, or they'll have a groups of people with lots of drums. Um, and so they created a rhythm game around those where basically they sold this. Well, originally it was an arcade game and you would go to the arcade and it would have a bunch of pop music or, um, I, th- I think Vocaloid tracks had come around at that point and maybe pre Vocaloid tracks. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to interrupt. What is a Vocaloid track? Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting in deep now. Vocaloids, um, are you familiar with Hatsune Miku, the uh, the fake singer, computerized voice thing? <laughs> no, yeah. I know what Dr. Spazzo is. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically it's a branded it's a branded uh, tool. I can't remember who originally made it, but it, it lets you essentially kind of like MIDI music, but for singing. Okay. And you can map different voices over it. And Japan being Japan has created characters for all of these voices as part of the marketing campaign for this thing. And then these got big because effectively like any composer in there, any like amateur composer in their bedroom could create an entire musical score with singing, with vocal tracks and instruments and all that stuff, but not need to have anyone but themselves. And then they would just post their creations to the Internet and they would. Uh, organically gain in popularity as as you know the good stuff would rise to the top effectively yeah i could see that um so it allowed people who may have musical skill that isn't traditionally um trained and and running through the normative channels of music creation to uh to put their ideas to paper essentially and get them out there um and so 
it, it also caused a lot of music to get created that isn't necessarily bound up in the traditional musical rights society oh, or not signed okay. to the big publishers and stuff. Yeah. So a lot of this music was available for licensing. And so a lot of that music, because A, it's already electronic, so it's very easy to map it to things. Uh, and B, because it's generally available and you don't have to pay the performer because the performer is a piece of software. Um, right. A lot of that music found its way into Japanese rhythm games. Um, and a lot of times they tend to be heavily rhythmic anyway, just, just as a consequence of the type of music that those things are really well suited to make. Um, so basically, to get back to where we were starting, uh, in order to get attention in Japanese arcades, which are still a thing, um, you make big, dumb cabinets. And I've been, and I, I was in Japan in 2016. Um, and the, the, the sense you get when you're in there is, is it is best to build the biggest and loudest machine you can possibly create. <laughs> and, Namco Bandai, which I think at that point it was just Bandai making these. It may have been just Namco. I can't remember which way it went. Uh, basically built an arcade machine that is a screen. These taiko drums, which are you know multiple feet long, but they're laying on their side. Um, in this case, they're probably about two feet long with a big like foot and a half wide drum face. And like real like wooden or wooden-like sticks that you pound on this large drum with. And essentially, the game is just a repeating pattern of note indicators saying either hit the head of the drum or the side of the drum or the rim, technically. Um, and then in some cases, it'll tell you, like, hit it with both sticks or hit it with just one. And you just pound out the rhythm of the song between one of two notes. But it's really kinetic because you're actually using your your arms to pound on this drum. And it's a real drum. So, like, it it will hit back when you when you strike it. Like, your hand will bounce off. Oh, uh, that's awesome. There's like a natural cadence to it. Uh, usually the, the arcade cab has two drums facing slightly off from one another. Um, the machines are really gaudy and colorful. Like they, like it's an explosion of rainbow colors at your face. And the animation that on screen is r- this really stylized cartoon that has all these weird characters they've added over the years. And they basically filled the games with, um, originally it was like DDR style music. But as okay. time's gone on and as that franchise sort of be- became more well-known, more licensed stuff started finding its way into them, um, as well as these like these Vocaloid tracks or just sort of like generic house bands and Amco Bandai stuff where they just write music just for the purposes of putting it in this game. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so when I was in Japan in 2016, uh, I rolled into a Taito arcade in Osaka. And so Osaka was the first city I spent any time in. Landed in Tokyo, slept down to Osaka, um, and it was like I don't know, like one in the morning, something out, something outrageous. Because jet lagged, time time zones don't make any sense. Your brain is like, I don't know where I am, what time it is, what day it is. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and so I roll in there, and it's one of the first machines you see. So you walk in the door, and it's just kind of there's a stairway up because a lot of these arcades are really vertical. So to be like floor one is your claw machines, so as they call them, UFO catchers. Well, I'm no, not doing that. Floor two is like your rhythm machines, and that's sort of this loud hell of just people banging on plastic instruments um, that will, and all the music turned up to the max volume to just sort of slowly break your brain. And then you start getting into things like, here's where all the light gun games are. Here's the racing games. Here's the games that have like trading card components. So the first floor with real games I got to what was Taiko. There's just Taiko drums sitting right there. 
And I was aware of the series because when it came over originally in Japan, it was sort of like that Mr. Mosquito, Mr. Guitaru man, like, look at all this weird stuff Japan's making. <laughs> uh, but I had accepted that I'm in Japan. I'm just going to embrace all this weird stuff. And there, like I said, it's like one in the morning. It, maybe it's a little bit, maybe it's like midnight. And there's this young woman on this machine and she is, she is moving at a speed that I am struggling to follow. Not like I can't keep up with the note. That no, that was gone. I, I'm struggling to just follow her hand motions. She is, she is mo- hitting notes. I would guess you know five or six notes a second. She is just flailing wow. through the song and perfecting it, just absolutely killing it. And I like I didn't want to stare because already I'm you know I'm out of place. I, I'm a foreigner standing in the middle of this arcade at God knows what hour watching this young woman who's i don't know maybe maybe 20 uh just hammer on this this game system like in the middle of the night so like i didn't want to be weird so i kind of i kind of went and i found something else to play i think it was like a rhythm heaven arcade machine and just kind of watched a little bit and was just sort of enamored with it you and couldn't so I came stop back... thinking about it uh, to a certain degree yeah so i came back later um with some of my travel compatriots and we played um we played that game a lot actually um and i remember distinctly uh being subjected to playing a two-player match of that with the um the exercise music from um oh what was what was uh level five's weird pokemon like a blanket what's called now i have no idea oh no that's bad i can't remember this this is this is easy stuff <laughs> um shoot it doesn't matter what the name yeah, of the it game is it's, it's, gonna, so, it's, gonna it's some other I mean, game it's gonna it's somebody right now somebody's typing angry email to james Jones oh yeah they're right they're 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 very upset right now yeah, that's What's okay is, we're that's I what mean, we're here they, for we're here to yeah, upset people that's great um so i i you know we, i played it a bunch of times and had a lot of fun with it but that was pretty much it you know i didn't i didn't think to myself well i need i, I need to have this in my home Yokai Watch. That was what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. It was the exercise theme from oh, Yokai Watch. I don't know why we couldn't think of Yokai Watch. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was why I was like, I'm going to be upset if I can't think of this. Um, so whatever, you know, I played. I would guess I played two dozen, three dozen different arcade games in Japan, so it wasn't like a big deal. Um, but jump to 2018, I think. Um, yeah, they announced that they're going to release a Taiko game in the U.S. again. It had been a little bit. Um, and I can't remember what they called the PS4 version, but technically speaking, there's there was a Switch version and a PS4 version. They were technically different games. Uh, I think the track lists were somewhat different. Well, so yeah, because the, the Switch version also has like the the motion controls that the does. PS4 version wouldn't have. Right, but it also has some Nintendo licensed music in it um so i think i think kirby's theme is in there mm-hmm. um there's some, some splatoon music in there and so I, I i for whatever reason became sort of obsessed with this thought of i'm gonna get that game and i ended up wishlisting it and not immediately jumping on it and then at some point it had like a like a fantastic like five percent off sale or something like just enough for the the dopamine hit to become necessary <laughs> to put the money down and I bought it, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll play with it a bit, and whatever. And so, obviously, I don't have a drum. Uh, and I tried the motion controls, and I found they're kind of not very responsive because your your hand naturally snaps back when you 
drum for lack of a better words mm-hmm. with the motion controls because you eventually you hit the end of your wrist like the end of the flex and your arm will come back and that it was like double counting that nonsense and i was having a horrible time with it like it was just that's just not gonna work and the way it wanted you to do to the side was was to like turn your arm your wrist sideways and swing it and at rhythm speed that wasn't possible yeah, yeah there i was feel no like drum. i feel like the 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 whole idea of motion controls with a drum game makes zero sense in oh, the yeah. same way of like my family, my wife, my son, and I, we all take Taekwondo. And a lot of times they'll be like, okay, now we're going to do these kicks. And so we do these kicks and we're kicking the air. And I'm like, this is, t- I hate when we have to kick the air. I like very much when we have a target, but when we're kicking the air, it just feels awkward and I can't get it right. And I feel like motion controls on a drum game is exactly the same thing it is exactly that and you always felt like you're just your rhythm was all off and no matter what you did it just wasn't working the way you wanted it to so you just ugh. so did you so, play it touchscreen or uh, button presses i did the touchscreen um and it it was weird but i was eventually able to get it down it's a very small target I mean, the switch screen is not very big and you're looking at you know having to like the the perimeter of the drum is one and the inside of the drum is another and the drum is is split in half to represent the left and right drumsticks and it's a lot so i primarily just did it with the button presses and i got pretty good um so we're talking about the difficulty here what ultimately i think pushed me over the edge is there was a bunch of music that i thought there is zero 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 percent chance that makes it into the u.s version because it's all kinds of weird license tied up music like, oh, this is a pop song from Japan that was really big two years ago. There's no way they're just going to put that in here. No, they did. Um, or like, this is a licensed song that they're licensing from a TV show that has no cultural resonance anywhere in Japan. It's like a common writer theme. I'm like, there's no way they're going to put that in here. Oh, no, they're, no, it's in there. This is the same game as the, as the Japanese version. This so, is it. If you, you buy it on the Japanese eShop, it's the same game. So... Like, do you, is this like your jam? Is this like your kind of music that you already listen to? Or is it just something that it's fun for the rhythm of it? Does that make sense? It was like, yeah, uh, it was more like I was fascinated. Um, Like I've played some rhythm games. I enjoy them, generally speaking. Uh, The music itself, like there were a couple songs I knew. Um, you know, some of them were, were in some movies I had seen. Some of them were like, I was aware of the show, at least like I knew what the show was. I didn't necessarily know that song in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them was like, there was a DLC pack that was a bunch of studio Ghibli music, which I'm like, there's no way that's going to come here. And it did. And I was kind of dumbfounded that all the stuff came in. So that was ultimately one of the things that kept it in the back of my brain. Of like, I can't believe they put all those songs in the Western release of the game. Uh, and the one that really did it for me is, um, it is the it's the song from Moana where she is trying to leave the island the first time. Uh, I think it's I think it's called something like How Far I'll Go. But Wait, so the they Jap- actually they had okay, I was a misunderstanding. I thought you were talking about the fact that they had a bunch of Japanese music that they brought over and you're like, why would they bring that here? That's all Japanese music that wouldn't be popular here. But what you're saying is they had like a bunch of Americanized stuff in the Japanese version, and then they brought it over here as well? No, I'm, you were right the first time. Oh, the okay. version of How Far I'll Go they'll have in there is specifically the Japanese version <laughs> of the song. Okay. So 
the first, I don't know, 130 times I heard that song um, was in Japanese. So when I actually saw this movie for the first time recently, um, the, the, the young lady I was seeing it with, I was like, oh, I know this song. This is weird. And she's like, what, what, what's weird? And I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard this song in English. And I just got a dumb stare. And I'm like, I probably just said the quiet part out loud. That's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I did a bunch of uh, Twitch streams with this game because I got I have this weird tick where like the game basically says, hey, you can play through it if you do well enough, which is based on how close you were to hitting on the beat. And obviously you have to hit the right note. So like two two buttons will map to the the inner outside of the drum head on each side and each side of the controller represents the left and the right. Um, if you do well enough, you'll pass. You don't have to get everything. And you'll get combos for keeping strings going. And if you're really close to hitting it right on the beat, you get more points. If you just kind of make it, you get less. It's basic rhythm game stuff. Um, and how this game does its difficulty is there's essentially four tiers of difficulty, like easy, normal, hard, expert. And then inside of that, there's a sub-difficulty rating that's like, this song is two stars. So you might have a game that's like five-star hard and three-star expert. That okay. three-star expert is saying it's a three-star relative to the whole canon of expert songs. So it's still going to be harder than the hard. Um, and this weird perfectionist drive that I have sometimes can really kick in on a game like this. And so I would spend hours just hammering on the same song, trying to get perfect on it, um, which turned into a series of Twitch streams that I think went three hours total to perfect a single song. Oh, my God. On, on expert and uh, no, on hard. I actually was only the hard one. Uh, and I would keep missing it by like one note out of 400 something, um, which basically just evolved into my chat telling me I'll never get it and um, trying to alternately encourage me enough that I don't quit and discourage me enough that they know. I, I know <laughs> the, people, the people I have around me. I get it. Um, I think that's every Twitch chat, man. No, oh, like, yeah. d- don't feel bad about the about no, the I people. Know. Yeah, that's that's every Twitch chat. They want to make fun of you enough so that you know like it there there's like a camaraderie there, but at the same time they don't want to do it too much to make you feel bad and make you quit. Like I, yes. I get that. Uh, when you're I, playing uh, this game, it's designed for drums. Like right. when and they you do sell drums you can buy. Right. But when you strike a drum, if you kinda if you don't take the pressure off the stick will bounce a couple times. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, is that a thing in the game where is that like to get the four, like five notes a second or something like this girl in Japan that, that you saw playing? Um, is is that the way she was playing or like is it make it harder to do with your thumb on a button? Yes, there is. There is a real artistry to this that I wasn't I, I probably spent. I don't know an hour on it over the course of two weeks in Japan at various arcades. Um, there, There is a real like sense of understanding, at least implicitly, the physics of what's happening with the drum. Mm-hmm. Um, that these like roll notes where it's having you just bang out like five or six notes one right after another. And of course you have alternating wrists that gives you a little bit of wiggle room to play with, but not a ton. Um using the actual percussive bounce of the drumstick um and essentially like all your rest the only gap you have in those notes is really just let it hit and then bounce off and then immediately go back down 
And so in the for those, you know, the drumstick might get, I don't know, half an inch off the surface of the drum before you're putting it back down. Uh, and there are definitely beat patterns that I don't think are achievable with a controller. Because um, because if you run like there's a I think the the strongest song out of ten stars is a nine star expert, um, and you could put it in auto mode and just watch the game play itself. And I don't think it's possible to press the buttons that fast simply <laughs> because of the physics of the buttons. Yeah, I don't think they'll come back up quick enough. Even though you've got effectively four buttons you can use to indicate the same note, because this. There's only two actions, so it basically just keeps mapping all the actions to different buttons. And you know, there's four buttons to hit the face for the right side and four to hit the face for the left side. Like if you used all your fingers, maybe you could do it. But a lot of these notes are coming so fast that you can't think about, okay, I should be using right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. You just kind of have to do it naturally. Um and so the song I got obsessed with is one of these vocaloid tracks. It's not even a particularly good song. It it's just like it had these beat patterns that were long and complicated, but I could just memorize them in, in sections. But I never memorized a button pattern. It was never like, okay, it's left, left, right, left, right, left, left, right. It would always be like I would start and then I would just sort of intrinsically know when I should shift back and forth between them. It'd be like an instinctual component that would come in of like, I need to use be using the other finger for this note. So this instinctual component as you're playing, does it feel to you? like you're making music like i know that we all kind of uh maybe not everybody but i know that like when i was when i was playing guitar hero back in the 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 plastic age of gaming uh when i was playing guitar hero it felt like i was doing it you know what i mean does this feel like you're making music or does it feel like it's super artificial Playing with the controller obviously creates a layer of artifice, um, but there was a certain part of my brain that was being engaged that would really only engage back in the day when I was playing. You know, I played viola for a number of years, uh, 12 or so years. Like there's a part of my brain that was kicking in there, um, specifically the part that I was using when I was deciding how to do bow movement which is a very similar concept of i've got a fixed a fixed amount of bow i can play with you know there's a the, the bow is 34 inches long i think um eventually i'm gonna run out and i have to reverse direction mm-hmm. but if i have to do a really long note um and i'm only halfway down the bow i need to i need to burn the rest of that half because i'm not going to be able to stretch out half the bow for 34 or i'm going to have to reset it You've completely so, changed my perception of uh, violin, viola, and cello, like all of that kind of music. I've never thought about that aspect of it. And and the thing is, eventually <laughs> you get to a place where you don't. It becomes this sort of like autonomous thing that you just sort of know. And some songs actually write in there like, hey, you need to reset your bow. You're going to run out of space here. Um, there's a little symbol for it that basically says like, yo, reset. Um, and sometimes they'll tell you like, no, just keep doing ups, just doing up motions. Although even then it sounds different when you do an up motion versus a down motion. So there's all kinds of weird stuff you have to do there. And I felt that same component when I was doing, even just with the buttons of like, I know I've got three outside notes coming. I don't want to have to shift inside, outside, inside, outside. Cause even then you're moving your thumb between two buttons that are pretty fast cadence. 
And I would just sort of instinctually, okay, this is doing the inside notes. This one's doing the outside notes. And then I might switch them on a subsequent cycle. And it wasn't necessarily like I had a plan. Uh, Cause what I found was when I finally perfected that song, it wasn't, I wasn't doing the same, the same way every time. And when I tried to rigorously enforce that, I did worse. And so oh, to that okay. extent, to that extent, like I really did get that feeling of back, like back when I was performing, like there was a certain amount of like, I am, I am taking the song. I've memorized the components much more so than most rhythm games I've played. Like I really had to, cause they're coming so fast. You really can't um, just sight read some of the higher end ones, but also there's a, it's got distinct musical phrases and they, they repeat on themselves. So you can learn a phrase and then it comes back up later with some variation and it, it, that component all feels real. Obviously just pressing buttons is, is a pretty distinct feeling. Um, if I had sprung for the drum, which I strongly considered at one point, um, I think that layer of, of, of this feeling fake would really go away and it would feel really pretty distinctly like i am making music right now not least of which because the drum actually makes noise like you can yeah i mean you're hitting a plastic thing it's going to make noise um in the arcade machine i wasn't good enough i think to to really break through that that disconnect between i'm standing in front of an arcade machine versus i am making music Mm -hmm. uh but watching the young woman who was playing and in subsequent trips, like I would like school would be getting out and you would see like this 13 year old, just, just slaying a song. Um, in those cases, there was a, there was an, a sense that I'm watching someone perform because this, I mean, from my perspective, they're children. This child is coming into this crowded arcade, walking up to a machine and they're not just tapping the notes out looking like a zombie. Like, they're they're into the song in particular. They have what is effectively a set list. I bet I could have come the next day and seen that same child hammer out those same three or four songs. And then they were done. And, you know, you get, I think you get three songs per per play. And they would hammer out their songs. And they would be super engaged and not, like, locked in. But, like, engaged in the way you are when you're performing. And then they just leave. And so obviously that connection can come down because they know they're being watched. I mean, people in people in the arcade on a regular basis are still noticing that this this, you know, twelve year old girl has come out of off of her walk home from school and is now just annihilating this song. But it's 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 that weird space between am I doing the thing versus you know what? What is the act of a musical performance in play? Is it is it the just the ability to recreate the song, or is it the ability to engage with the music and create that sort of engagement experience for people who aren't performing the song? You um, know, you you mentioned these these giant arcades, and as somebody who lives in rural America, I don't have much experience with giant arcades, but. I imagine being on the you you said there was a floor that has all of the rhythm games and all the music is turned up to 11. You 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 get on this floor, it must be really really difficult to play the game in that environment with all of these other sounds going on, especially if you're playing the the multiplayer version where it's got two people with two sets of, with two drums like oh yes. That that's got to be impossible. 
It, so some of the games actually have headphone jacks for that reason. Oh, um, I don't remember if this one does. Um, but yeah, it is. It's incredibly difficult. So I didn't have my headphones with me because I just, I mean, I dumped my bags in the room and was like, I'm not going to carry. I've been carrying stuff around for 12,000 miles. I'm good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so I, I didn't have headphones. So yeah, I could barely hear this. I mean, I could hear it. Um, it was it was the ability to parse out that from the the overall cacophony going on around me that was really causing the struggle. Um, at home with with this one song, uh, specifically this song is referred to as Jumenso, which is Ten Faces. Um, I, I got really into the song not because it's a good song, but because I heard it thirty thousand times trying to perfect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and I didn't touch this game for I don't know two or three months. Uh, and then in sort of preparation for this, I, I, you know, I had gone there and I had just sort of like mindlessly played the Moana theme five times because I had just seen the movie for the real time um, and just was just perfecting it on all the difficulty levels. Uh, I went back and played this song that I had spent, like I said, three, four or so hours just trying to get perfect and nailed it on the first try. I looked around and said, well, nobody saw that. <laughs> did, did it really happen? I guess it happened. Oh man, I wish somebody had seen that. I looked super cool on the first try. <laughs> the first try, you perfected it. Um, that that's awesome. Let me ask you a question: Is it, so that song, like, if do you think that you would be if if you if you did throw the money uh, out there for the for the drum? Do you think you'd be able to play that song, or do you think that your thumbs have the memory that your arms do not? That's an excellent question. And I think the answer is probably not immediately. I think it would take me a while. Um, Cause I, I, I definitely went back and tried to play with the touch screen and although, I mean, you're just tapping your fingers. So, you know, the, the switch, thank God is multi-touch or this would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that I'm using, I'm using different fingers, but I'm still just using fingers. Uh, and, and I found it really, really difficult. I think so the 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 note patterns of the song are still in my brain, which is why I could immediately just turn around and effectively sight read it. I mean, what's funny is when I play this game on a song I've gotten pretty good at, my eyes almost start to defocus. Like I'm not actually focusing on the screen. I'm still looking at it, but like it's kind of blurry. Like I've entered this kind of weird trance-like state where I'm just hammering through the notes. Right. Um, that's all there and all those components are still there i think what would happen is i would fail utterly at just trying to translate those phrases into physical action and i would have to work my way up to it i have to play other simpler songs just to sort of create that um that connection between the muscle memory of my arm and my brain knowing how to talk to each other about how to play these notes and what would probably happen is i would get through a few tiers of difficulty of other songs and then come in somewhere around like two thirds of the way through where I started the first time on my quest to perfect the song. Awesome. Uh, once I got the mechanics down and then it would probably be a little bit, it'd be another hour or two and eventually I would clear it clean, but I can't imagine how much your arms would hurt after playing some of these songs. Like that's the part that kills me. Cause it's not, it's not nothing like playing these things is not, there is a real impact on your arm on the big drum. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I can imagine. Now, the 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 drum for your house. Yeah. Like, is it a full size uh, no, psycho no. drum? It's a little no, tiny no. thing. 
Yeah, it's about it's about a uh, about ten inches uh, around, um, and it's kind of a flat disc. There's a little bit of backing to it, just sort of for the electronics and the spring. Um, and it's it's just sort of stood up at a slight angle, so you can hit, you know just hit on its face directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the it's probably all the same components of the larger drum. I would guess most of the the space inside the arcade machine is just empty space for the the benefit of look at this big dumb thing we put in an arcade. <laughs> yeah. Cuz there's a lot of that. And mm-hmm. so it's probably all the same mechanics. It's smaller. It doesn't I I've I've used one. It doesn't feel as tight. Like I don't get the same bounce. Um but there is definitely a, some give there that sort of pushes you back out afterwards that I that would help, I think. Um but yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing and occasionally I'll sit there and think about like do I want to try this thing? Do I want to drop the however much money it costs to get a hold of one what's interesting is there's a bunch of like knock it's it's pretty expensive and i, I want to say it was like 90 bucks uh for, for, for just the drum for just the drum oh um i don't uh it, it's a hori product i don't know that they ever officially released it in the u.s okay. uh, i know they did in europe and i know they did in japan um but there's all kinds of knockoff ones that, that are like oh it's 20 dollars and have extreme degrees of variability in their reviews um so there's a certain amount of like what if i just buy a 20 dollars one that's reviewed as not that bad and try it out but i feel like that's just a gateway drug to ending up with the hoary one um and then i've got two drums one of which i'm never going to use because it's quote not that bad and um and that will be the point where i just decide oh, i'm tired of this game Right. Um, I think the, the big issue is there's not a ton of songs on this version. There's a lot of DLC packs. Um, a lot of the DLC is not very good. Uh, I mean, relatively speaking, like it's just music that I don't care about. Or it's like public domain music. There, there's a bunch of that on there. <laughs> now, what about uh, the weird um, the, the weird mini games that the game has? Uh, are, are those, did you play those or were you yeah. just Mr. Rhythm Guy? So there are, there are some mini games. There, there are... I, I'm trying... Like I try to remember some of the ones right off. It's sitting right there. I could just grab it if my arm was longer and, and list them. <laughs> but they're they're basically you know what you would expect from a game about hammering on a drum. It's various actions that could be uh, sort of contextualized around having two buttons and your bang and your primary action is banging things. So there's there's ones where you're like trying to smash stuff in in rhythm. There's ones that are all about like how fast can you drum. There's some that are effectively just rhythm tapping mini games. Um, and you unlock characters. So this, so the game has characters, which makes about as much sense as you think it does. Um, right? Aren't they little, like like little long drums? Well, those are the main characters, uh, Dawn and Pawn, which are the, the the expressions for the hitting the in drum and the out drum. Um, oh, okay. And then there's other ones they've created, and then there's all these weird characters they've created because there's like this whole ecosystem at this point of Taiko Drum Master characters that they've just created over the years. And they they're represented as your little symbol who's actually doing the work. He's actually, you know, doing the drumming at the top over in the note highway. Because as you do better, more and more things start to pop in up there. Stuff you're never gonna notice while you're playing the game. Um oh, so you have to watch somebody else play it in order to appreciate that stuff. Yeah, like you can kind of contextually see that it's happening because you just see people in fest Japanese festival attire, like cartoon geese in Japanese festival attire, dancing in rhythm. And like, what is happening up here? I can't look at that right now. I need to be focused on these notes. Um, but the one thing those characters do have is they get, they give special abilities. So uh, there's one 
that just lets you hit any part of the drum and it counts. It doesn't matter what part the song is asking for. But those characters don't let you compete for high scores. Only the ones who give no power-ups do. So I don't really use them. Um, they're kind of interesting to have, I guess. But ultimately, the mini games are just sort of there. Uh, if you have two drums, which again, I, why? Um, and two <laughs> yeah, that's people, a lot of money. Two drums and two people. Uh, I could see there being some some fun in them, but they're ultimately kind of mini games in the same sense, like the Pokemon uh, Arena games back on the N sixty four. Like they're there, you could play them. There's some material value here, but their primary their primary reason to go even go into them is that you can unlock stuff through them. Now, are you a high score guy? You mentioned high scores. Is that like, oh man, James loves that stuff? Not normally, but there are certain games, um, especially the, where they're games that are about perfecting myself where the high scores can become a real problem. Um, you know, if it's, if it's just like a, like a scrolling shooter, uh, I'm less likely to get engaged there because it's not about what can I do perfectly. It's about how can I play the game better. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's not like a, that's, that's a dynamic target. You know, there's, you can always play the game better. Um, for this, there is an achievable stat status of perfection. There is, there is ultimately a maximum score that can be achieved at this game. And I am continually trying to increase that score, even on ones I've already perfected, because hitting the note better might get me a little bit closer. There are sections where it just asks you to do a drum roll, and you just get points or however fast you can hit the drum. Like, I might go after those and try to get more, more uh, drum beats in that window it gives you to do it. Um, that kind of... of um, uh, high score hunting does speak to me and is why rhythm games when I get into them can be dangerous. Um, it's also why I'm glad I never really got into the, the guitar hero plastic instrument era. Uh, Cause there, there would potentially be a lot of those things in my house. Oh right my now. God. I was so happy to get rid of that stuff. Like we, I, I had fun with those games. Don't get me wrong, but they took up so much room, especially when Rock Band came out. Like my wife oh, yeah. bought us um, the the Rock Band for the Beatles because I love the Beatles, and uh, it, it took up so much room in the house. And finally, when we decided to gut the attic and and build extra rooms up here, that stuff went in the dumpster uh, because oh. it was just so much stuff. I I distinctly remember an era where you like a GameStop before it was just Funko Pops only. And you'd buy a game, and they'd be like, "You get a free guitar here, guitar." And I'm like, "No, I don't want that." Like, and basically, they were just like, "Please take it." And I'm like, "No, you can't make me," uh, because they just they had so many. So essentially, the bottom fell out of that market at one time, and suddenly they were just inundated with them. It was so fast too; like, it was incredibly popular, and then it was very much not. And yes. I don't know, like somebody went over and flipped a switch and all of our brains said, oh, yeah, I don't want this stuff in my house. And like I, it, it all happened at once. It was a really odd thing. It, we, there was a similar repeated in Activision again as a key player in here in the Toys to Life market where yeah. there was just a day when it died and it just Skylanders just stopped like there, this like there was there was Skylanders. There was the asteroid strike that killed Skylanders, and then there weren't Skylanders anymore. Um, I think that was uh, the Disney. Disney was that asteroid strike. 
yeah i mean so i actually had a press event that i went to at e3 and i remember distinctly asking the activision people why we have to buy a different portal again that was right around the point that the bottom fell out and uh, i'm pretty sure i got in trouble or at the very least they were not pleased i asked that um but i don't care it was i think that was track team where they're like no you need you need new portals the old portals don't work Mm -hmm. um and yeah like there's just a moment where nobody cares anymore and i think it's it's probably a mix of in your in this case disney showed up and they started flooding the market as well nintendo had their own stuff coming in that seems to have kind of survived a little bit but even I, they I think it's on uh it, i think that's on like its last legs yeah they they held out um but i think it's the same thing with guitar Hero and rock band were just ex- like speeding up their releases um to the point where there would be like three Guitar Hero games in a year. There'd be a numbered one. There'd be like Guitar Hero Van Halen. And then there would be like Guitar Hero Best of Track Packs Country. <laughs> and they'd all come out within like three months of each other. What and are it, those, it just. What are those, uh, those songs? Uh, kids Bop. You know, Guitar yeah. Hero Kids Bop. <laughs> Do, uh, honest, so uh, we basically had that with Lego Rock Band, which was I, a thing that happened. I did I also, not know that that was a thing. Oh, I I, uh, I saw an E3 presentation for it. Um, <laughs> that that year, I saw three distinct Guitar Hero slash Rock Band E3 presentations in one E3. Like that was the point where you're like, oh, this this is getting out of hand, isn't it? Um, that that was the year that they made like the 148 button Guitar Hero guitar that they were thinking about selling that they never actually put on the market because it's it's dumb. Like I'll just play a real guitar then. Like, right. What are you doing? So the uh, the survivor of the the plastic rhythm game, uh, the, okay. So way. you remember at the end of Demolition Man or in Demolition Man when they're going to uh, dinner and they're like, well, the only the only place that that survived the fast food wars was Taco Bell. Uh, the plastic uh, fake instrument wars was won by taiko drum master drum and fun am i yeah, wrong they just didn't care they, they they were here before <laughs> they kept doing what they're doing they never smartly they never really tried to get into that space because what they had produced was probably too weird for general consumption outside of japan even in japan it's still weird it's still a weird thing um and as a consequence of that they were like they're they're your coelacanth they survived the asteroid strike because they're too weird (laughs) they just get to keep going uh and ultimately they think they they constrain their costs in such a way that they can just keep putting these things out and you know maybe you buy one dlc pack in the game and that's enough and then they go make their next one two years later and it's got splatoon music in it you're like well i guess i'll go buy that uh and it just sort of rolls over and you just keep at it and i'm it, it's it's definitely not something that when the next one rolls around, I'm going to be like, oh, I have to go buy that right now. Um, but but if it'll I be own, on your wish list, and when it goes yeah, on a 5% sale... Right, when it gets that 1% off, well, that's <laughs> that's a whole different equation then. Um, if I if I had been the guy who ended up with two distinct drum kits, including the the not good drum kit, it definitely would be on my, on my immediate purchase list. But having avoided that fate... Um, it's more of the, I'll keep an eye on it next time. And next time I'm in Japan, I'll plan to spend more time on the, the device to 
to get into it. Because what I will say is, while there's not a ton of songs in this game, I think there's probably 30 or so. Um, I've never really counted. And four or five DLC packs. Uh, in Japan, it just seems like they just keep adding songs to it, probably probably like over the internet, because a lot of these arcade right. cabs are connected. Um, I think I just stood there for like five minutes trying to find a song at one point. And it gives you like 300 seconds to pick your next song, because it knows. <laughs> it knows it knows there's just too much and you cannot just i want that one they've timed so, it they know exactly how long it takes to scroll from the top to the bottom and it's 300 seconds <laughs> how long will it take a foreigner who's trying to decipher the japanese at like a third grade level to figure <laughs> out how many songs he's looking at uh it will take him five minutes so let's give him four and then he'll put more money in next time that's right well, James, I got to say thank you for taking us on this ridiculous journey to Japan to hear about this crazy game that I think I'm going to I'm going to guess that most of the audience has never heard of nor played, but I really appreciate you uh telling us this story. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was a great time. Yeah, every episode I try and have my guest close out the show by saying our motto, which is the resolution doesn't matter. The resolution doesn't matter. The theme song for 143 Pixels is Through a Cardboard World by Tony Lays. You can find more of their music at tonylays.bandcamp.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find it at Pixels143. And if you want to follow me, I'm at RunJumpStomp. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, head on over to gstu.net.